Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And I hope everybody's having a great week so far. This week, we got some great shows lined up. This week for you, last week, we had a jam-packed, last couple of weeks, we've had jam-packed weeks. I think we've done, I don't know, 12 shows in two weeks. So we are doing everything we can for folks so that they can stay informed in Alaska. So if you listen, watch, or read Must Read Alaska, we want to thank you for being a part of the Must Read Alaska family. If you want to help keep the lights on, which we, we would really love at Must Read Alaska because we are not funded by some dark web money nonprofit conglomerate that sticks money in our coffers and we are supposed to churn out stories that and that's good to them. We just churn out stories and talk to people who we think are interesting. So um, we are funded by the everyday Alaskans, just like you that are listening, $5 at a time, $10 at a time, $100 at a time. So if you want to help keep the lights on, go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side there, there's a little donate button. You can click on that and do that. If you already do that, uh, we want to thank you for doing that. Um, we also... Um, would encourage you to sign up for the newsletter. Um, we have a brand new newsletter uh, kind of rendition. We use Substack now, and our newsletter is like literally blowing up. We probably have the biggest newsletter now in Alaska, which is very exciting. Suzanne puts a lot of time and effort into that, so kudos to Suzanne. And uh, she sends it out three times a week. You're going to get stuff in that newsletter that she doesn't write about, or you won't hear here. You won't hear about here on the Must Read Alaska show. So, if you want some inside scoop, make sure to sign up for that newsletter. If you just go to mustreadalaska.com, on the top there's a little newsletter button. You literally click on that and put in your email address. But without further ado, I want to welcome Representative Ben Carpenter to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm a little biased. He is my representative. And he is one of the good guys. He's one of the best, I believe, out there representing uh, conservative viewpoints in Juneau. He has been a guy who has had, when I think about Ben Carpenter, one word comes to mind, and that's integrity. He is a guy who has ran on one thing, and it does exactly what he said he's going to do, and he ran. He, uh, I think, came into uh, your one-year election, I think, in 2018. You've been there for a couple of terms now. You're, we were just joking that you're now one of the most senior folks there, although probably a stat you don't really care too much about because you're a very humble guy. But without further ado, uh, Representative Carpenter, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. Thanks, John. It's good to be here. Good to be back. Well, you have got some very awesome committee chair assignments and committee assignments that I think people in the kind of political bubble are very excited for you to have people that know and care about politics in Alaska are very stoked about you having some of these. So tell us about your um, committee assignments, your committee chair assignment, and uh, and tell, tell us why you're excited to have those. Well, thanks, John. I am excited for my assignments this year. Um, didn't, uh, it wasn't something that I was um, pursuing that the particular assignments, they just kind of happened and I, I think they happened for a reason but 
So I've been appointed the uh, chair of uh, legislative budget and audit, and also the chair of the uh, House uh, Special Committee on Waste Needs. And both of those committees uh, are focused on budgetary and financial matters. Um, maybe in a, a different um, focus than what the Finance Committee is focused on uh, that I've served on for the last uh, four years. Uh, the Finance Committee is, has uh, its main responsibility is looking at the, the annual budget. And so the preponderance of the time that you spend on that committee is, is uh, reviewing all of the budget documents and speaking to people and you're focused on an annual this year's budget. Whereas legislative budget and audit is a statutorily created committee with some responsibilities that are looking um, at what has happened in government and uh, specifically um, how money was spent. That's why we have uh, an audit section within legislative budget and audit. The legislative audit team that falls underneath this committee. We also have a statutory responsibility to look at um, fiscal policies and procedures of state government. And that's very broad, right? So we have um, some power in statute. And if anybody wants to look it up, it's AS24.20.201. And that'll give you the, the statutory authority, some of the authority of legislative budget and audit. Um, the second committee that I'm sharing is um, House Ways and Means Committee. Mm -hmm. And Ways and Means is traditionally a um, revenue generating committee. It's it's a it's a special committee. It's not a standing committee. It's it's a, created at the beginning of this uh, legislature. Uh, the House has a Ways and Means Committee, but the Senate does not have. So anything that comes out of the Ways and Means Committee will likely, because it's financial related, will go to um, House Finance, and then you know if it's passed out, then it'll go over to Senate Finance and any of the other standing committees. But the focus, the focus uh, from Ways and Means, and this is why I. Um, brought on my, uh, my, the staff that I did. Um, I asked Donna Ardowin to come in and help with advising for policy um, um, positions or, or things that we can do to help stabilize the Alaska's uh, economy and our, our budget deficit that we've had. So um, statutorily, I'm sorry, not statutorily, but by, with our uniform rules and how the Ways and Means Committee was created, we were created with three main tasks. So we're to consider methods to control state spending. So that's where you would have spending cap or spending limit discussions. Uh, identify ways in which state government programs may be made more efficient. So this is um, kind of a quasi LBNA ways and means conversation that can, can happen here. There, um, there's a synergy there. And then propose new measures to raise additional state revenue. And so if you're going to talk about taxes, this is the place that you would talk about it. If you're going to talk about um, how uh, economic growth would benefit the state uh, as a whole or benefit the state government through additional revenue, this is the committee that you would have to talk about. I started very early on to use the fiscal policy working group from 2021, the report from that group. And I was a member, one of the members of that group. And I'm using that framework as a, a means to have the conversation about what needs to happen within the state, both from a fiscal point of view and what's possible through a political point of view. So there's broad support, not unanimous support, but broad support for the 
fiscal policy working group as a uh, report as a, a framework for what what could happen to help stabilize our our um, our situation. So um, that's kind of in a nutshell what the the two committees do. Um, I guess one thing that I would say is that the legislative finance division that helps advise the legislature on all matters um, fiscally related also falls with under the LBNA committee. And so there's there's a, a connection there as well. Nice. So, so oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Um, so tell us, um, is there, you know, because I think for a lot of folks, including myself, they don't really realize some of the details of this kind of stuff because they don't have time. They got soccer practices and hockey practices and bustling around their kids. You know how it is. You have you have kids. So tell us um, just from a practical standpoint, does the um, do divisions in the state of Alaska did, get audited through your um, committee chair assignments through your committee. What does that audit process look like? Do, is it like once a year, once every five years? Do you pick and choose departments? Is it everybody at once, or is it just the legislative yeah. budget? How does that look like? There are there are statutory requirements that the legislature creates when they create a program or create a department or 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 other at other times they create an audit requirement, and there are. Um, uh, many different divisions or departments that are being audited every year. And it's a kind of a rotational basis, right? So the whole state government isn't audited once a year or once every 10 years. It's not, that's not how we, how we could do this, but different departments in different areas are audited on a, on a um, cyclic statutorily required basis. And um, all of those reports, all of the audit reports that are, that are complete, can be found online at the um, LBNA website, um, lbna.gov. I think if you just Google LBNA Legislative yeah. Budget and Audit Committee for Alaska, the website will come up, and you can um, click through the links there to find the audits and the reports for for every single one of those audits. So that's a legislative audit, um, looking at looking at a a from a fiscal and accounting point of view, not not so much a a management audit. Which I think is another another thing that we need to um, have a discussion about is you know if you want to get more efficient but you're not managing things or your systems don't really um, empower you to manage well then you're not really going to get efficient you've got to you have to have good management policies in order to get to gain efficiencies and be able to see yourself one of the things that that we used to do in the state but we no longer do um, and I'm looking at it from the executive branch's point of view um, we don't we don't require internal accounting audits, which is crazy. If I was a commissioner or, or a division director and someone said, hey, um, how are you doing with your spend plan? Or, you know, is there is there a need that you have within your organization and you've never done an audit? How do you truly know, you know, from a from a um, objective point of view, what's actually happening, right? That the audit function is something that all major corporations do. They're, they're required to, right? They wouldn't be seen as trustworthy if they didn't have an audit function to make sure that what they're saying they are doing, right, in politics and, yeah. and um, <laughs> to the board of directors, uh, they would, the board of directors would require an audit so that they know that, that the truth is being presented to. So 
that's another thing that I'm concerned about. And what we're looking at is, is can we get back to a position where the organization, the state government is, is using an internal audit function for their, for our benefit. So tell, tell the folks that are listening, what, what is your kind of philosophy of government budget? Um, I think I know what your philosophy is, which is very exciting to me, but for folks listening, what is your philosophy of government budgets, bigger, smaller? Should we be taxing more? Should we be spending less? Should we be saving more? Just give us your kind of general thoughts on government budget. Yeah. So uh, government is a necessary evil in my mind, right? We, we need roads. <laughs> we need law enforcement. There, there are things that we need and we have to pay for it. So the question is, how do you pay for it? How do you how do you structure your government similar to how you would structure a business in, in that sense? But how do you how do you create the the organization and then the policies and procedures that have the minimal impact on your ability to pay for that government? So every dollar that gets spent in government or for government has to be taken from somewhere, right? And that's that comes from the private sector. Uh, we receive a lot of money from the federal from the federal government. About a third of our budget every year comes from federal dollars. Well, those federal dollars are either coming in the form of a corporate or, or individual income tax um, to us. So it's um, taxpayers in Alaska and taxpayers outside of Alaska because we're a net. We have a net positive um, for how much uh, we receive versus how much we spend or how much we uh, pay in taxes in the state. But so the the point of the where I'm going with this is to show that at some point in time, dollars are being taken from the private sector, from, from Americans or Alaskans and funding government. And in Alaska, we don't pay taxes. As individuals, we don't really pay taxes other than our federal taxes. So the tax burden falls on the institutions that we've created, the structure that we've created for paying for state government. And right now you've got basically a, a tripod of where your fund funds are coming from. And the philosophy that I'm, you know, um, refining as the length of time has gone on with being in the legislature here is recognizing that economic growth within the state, so if, if there are more jobs next year than there were this year, really doesn't have an impact on the state budget. It doesn't, it doesn't have an impact. But if we have additional people come in, then they might be requiring more services. And there's no, there's no connection between them. Because we've established a system to pay for our government that is reliant upon our oil industry, it's reliant upon our permanent fund earnings, and it's reliant upon federal dollars. And that's at the state level, right? So residents of Alaska do pay local sales tax, they pay local property tax for local services, right? Yeah. So that's that's good. I like the, the concept of uh, limited local government and pay for what you want at the local level. But at the state level, there's no connection. So every year, we've got a, a plethora of people coming through this capital that want to see increased state spending. Every single year, there is pressure yeah. to increase spending for somebody's project. Right? And you, li you literally and see them walk the, the halls people. every year, is my guess. <laughs> yeah, same people in some cases. And, and they have no connection to paying for the things that they're actually having. Nothing. And if and if the John Q. Public came in and said, hey, Representative Carpenter, I, I want you to, to educate, uh, increase education spending or uh, road spending or 
whatever it is that you what would need, then there's no connection between that ask and actually paying for the the government. That's not a budget. I mean, it is a, it is a budget um, conversation in the sense that you have to have a balanced budget. That's a constitutional requirement, but it's it's a structure problem. So how do we get to a point where when we have economic growth, we have more revenue for state government? Because right now, the only economic growth that matters is economic growth in the oil industry or in uh, a select few um, corporations because we have a corporate income tax. So economic growth within the state is not something that really matters to the to the annual budget. If if uh, let's say Amazon came in to Anchorage and put in a shop in there, right? They might pay a little bit in the corporate income tax, maybe because our corporate income tax is is graduated and it's <laughs> in the top ten highest corporate income tax rates. Maybe Amazon didn't set up shop because we had such a high corporate income tax. But the, but the point is, is that any company that comes in that is or is not subject to the income tax, that's the only way that the state budget is going to um, uh, benefit from economic activity. And if they're a corporation that doesn't pay an income tax, then then there is no benefit to the, to the uh, state. So I'm not, and I want to say from a fiscal fiscally conservative point of view, I'm not looking at this that says, hey, we need every business to be helping fund the state government. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if if we're going to um, continually demand services, then we need to have a connection to a growing economy to pay for those services. Right now, Alaska's got a a stifled economy. Right, we're uh, the statistics that I that we did in a uh, Ways and Means Committee last night highlighted. It, right, our unemployment is 49th worst in the nation. Mm-hmm. Our our state GDP growth is 50th. We're dead last of all states. Growth of GDP, our edu- education quality, 48th worst. Um, we're 34th worst in outward migration. We have a large reliance on federal dollars for our, our budgets. And so, if I can just back it back out to the, to the 30,000 foot level, instead of focusing on this year's budget, I am focusing on policies on the structure of how we do business, that if we make some targeted changes, will result in a better system, a better structure for the state government moving forward into the future. And that's what both of these committees and the the staff that I brought on are focused on doing, is looking a little bit longer term. I like that, that's that's exciting. And I I do think that oftentimes, uh, you'll get, you know, just like you said, you get two sides of the coins. I think you get the folks that are kind of the backwood Alaskan folks that say, I don't want any more services. I don't need any more services. Stay out of my life, stay out of my business. And I don't want the government funded any more than it is today. I, in fact, want it funded less. And then you have the other folks. And those people aren't knocking on your door in Juno. They're minding their own business, living in their communities. And oftentimes being very productive members of the community, but just minding their own business. Now, the other side of the coin, the folks that want more services, maybe want an income tax, maybe want a statewide sales tax, they're the ones knocking on people's doors in Juno. And so I think sometimes that first side of the coin doesn't get represented well in Juno 
because they're not knocking on some, somebody's door. So I appreciate that you have the leadership position that you do because I know that you appreciate both sides of that coin. And uh, and so I, I think people are um, very, they kind of like, oh, Ben Carpenter, Representative Carpenter's in that role. They're like, had a little sigh of relief, like, okay, we don't have to have our guard up so much this year because he has a he has our back. So at least that's what the word on the street is here um, for the <laughs> just common folk in the Kiski. So we're excited that you have those roles, uh, Representative Carpenter. My next question is this. Now, you touched base on this for a second, and we don't have to go too much into detail, but you have um, struck an accord with certain folks, mostly in a good way. You've hired one of my favorite people in the world, Donna Ardwin, who is, in you know, my opinion, probably the biggest budget state government budget expert that exists in America. Tell us just a little bit about why you hired her for folks that maybe have been living underneath a rock for the last seven years or five years and don't know anything about her. Yeah, thank you, John. I'm I'm pleased to be working with uh, with Donna on this um, project that I have in um, policy-focused and long-term fiscally-focused solutions. Um, Donna has a, um, a long list of successes with other states, with other governors, with other legislators, in not only dealing with annual budgets, but dealing with uh, long-term policy that helps turn things around. And um, that's exactly what I needed some, some expertise on. So I know that where there's a will, there's a way, <laughs> but not necessarily uh, just because you have a will do you have the subject matter expertise to get it done. And that's why we bring staff on. We bring people on that have the subject matter expertise. So I hired Donna to help me craft a good plan or, or maybe multiple plans, different options for the legislature to choose from for solving the fiscal problems that we, we recognize, the, the structural problem that we have, which is our you know, when oil prices are low, we don't have a balance between our revenue and our, our uh, spending. So um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm very happy and very excited to see where this is go. I also hired um, a woman from Anchorage that is going to help with the LBNA um, committee. Uh, her name is Lauren Hughes, and she most recently was working as a special assistant office of the municipal manager. And she is going to help look uh, help run the LBNA committee and help look at um, process improvement or, or the, the statutory requirements or responsibilities that the, the LBNA committee has on reviewing fiscal policies and procedures within the state. And that's right in her wheelhouse. So we're, uh, I'm excited to see what the next two years is going to bring. Awesome. Um, so what are, um, you know, what are some of your big goals for the next year or two? You've hired um, some just epic rock star staff. You know, Donna, again, is one of the, if not the leading expert for government budgets in the United States, and she is in Alaska helping you, which is so cool. So what are some of your goals for the next two years? Yeah, that's that's real good. Um, so last night, if you, if you want to go on and watch the Ways and Means Committee from last night, um, that would be the 20th of February meeting. It was at 6 p.m. Uh, I and as a side note, I changed the meeting times of those committees, the Ways and Means committees, to an evening meeting so that people could get home from work and uh, get dinner done and then and then watch and see what we're talking about. Uh, kind of hard sometimes to have 
follow on along with those conversations uh, because we work. So I moved those committee meetings to the evening time. Um, what do I hope to get done? Well, as I presented last night, um, had had uh, Donna present what the my staff created. Um, we're looking at six basic things that that we're going to be focused on the next couple of years. Um, settling the PFD question is is number one. Uh, some sort of spending limit is number two. Uh, efficient spending spending policies, right? Um, so how do we reduce the the cost of government through gaining efficiency? And and I would argue that better management is also part of that that issue. Um, economic growth. What do we do to um, incentivize or stimulate or how do we get government out of the way to have economic growth within the within the state and you know maybe a uh, corporate income tax reduction is part of the solution right who wants to come to alaska as a corporation and pay one of the highest income taxes in the nation that's a disincentive for people to come and and do anything economically within the state right there can be opportunity but the opportunity goes away when you have to put all your profit out in, in uh, taxation. Accountability and, and good governance is another piece of that, that mostly um, through LBNA. Uh, I won't say mostly, but a good portion of it will be through LBNA, but then um, whatever we learn can be uh, approached in a policy bill or something through Ways and Means or another standing committee if we need to. And then the sixth thing is revenue generation or for government, right? So we're asking the question after we've done these things, um, you know, the, the first five, we're asking the question, do we need to have some sort of restructuring of our um, revenue generation? So where, where does it make sense to be pulling money from for, for government services to, to um, encourage economic growth? We want both. We want a stable, lean state government and we want a thriving private sector economy. So what structure do we have to create in state government to make that happen? Because what we currently have does not incentivize economic growth. It actually is a like a wet blanket on economic growth. <laughs> that's That's gotta change if we want our kids to stay in Alaska yeah. and have good jobs. If we want our schools to be well-funded and not have to pay exorbitant um, property taxes at the local level, we're, we're going to have to do something to, to grow the size of our economy. So that's what I, I mean, that's not wanting a whole lot, is it, John? Well, I think it's uh, lofty goals, good goals for you to have, because if there's somebody out there that can figure out how to get this thing done, it's going to be you and your team. And, you know, it's you and I both probably would agree that it's sad to see um, kids, I guess, adults turn 18 or after college and they just leave, they leave Alaska. And um, I think we have to figure out a way to keep them as a, at least to have an option to stay in Alaska and figure out a way to have that economic growth because they're leaving because the job opportunities or whatever it is. And, um, you know, year in and year out, it just seems like we are losing a very big, talented, young pool of folks to the lower 48 because we don't have our crap together. So I think it's really awesome that you're trying to tackle this um, big thing. And I think uh, if there's somebody out there that can do it, it's you. So um, how does, how does um, you know, we live in a state that has a capital that's not accessible. Um, as you know, um, it's been 
uh, a hot topic of conversation for you know literally decades. How does somebody get in, get involved in what the heck is going on in Juneau when they can't drive there? I mean, you mentioned moving some meeting times around to make it more accessible, but realistically, what could somebody still do? Do you know? I'm sure you get emails and phone calls. Do those do those things actually work? Um, you know, what are ways folks can make a meaningful impact without jumping on an airplane and spending a thousand bucks to fly to Juneau to state their case? Yeah, thanks, John. Um, so first off, uh, and I don't mean to be pejorative to anybody, but if you turn the the uh, Netflix off and you go to <laughs> our website, our legislative it. website, and watch a committee meeting, right? Poke yourself in one eye and keep the other eye open. Watch our committee meetings and listen to what your elected representatives are saying in their committee meetings. And then send them a single paragraph in an email that is short and to the point about what you think on what they were saying or, or a particular measure or bill that they're reviewing. Communicate very well, but do it succinctly and shortly. Because I can tell you, I receive emails from people who are passionate about a certain subject, and the email will be two or three pages, right? If everybody sends me two or three pages, it is very difficult <laughs> to discern that down into what the main point is, right? So we have to be better influencers. And I'm, I'm speaking about this from a, if I'm a private citizen, I have to be a better influencer of my elected representatives if I want to see better policies coming from those elected representatives. And yes, Juno's off the road system. And yes, you can't get here very, very easily. And I wish that I could change that. We either need to build a road or move the, move the capital in my mind so that more Alaskans have direct access to the capital. That's, a, that's a, another conversation for another day. It's not happening. Yeah. So those are two things that you can do. Watch the committee meetings and listen to what's happening and send us an email. We have public uh, testimony periods for um, the bills. And I can tell you that the majority of the time when we have public testimony, uh, there, aren't, there isn't anybody there to testify. And I get it because we're holding testimony uh, in public meetings uh, between I don't know, 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. So most people are working. Yep. So what I what I would say is if you have the opportunity to call in to those public testimony times, it's a very easy process and you can share your thoughts about the the bill that's before the committee. But you can also do that by email and all of those emails get put on the record. I read all of the emails that come through to my office. I don't necessarily respond to every single one of them, but um, we do read them. And I, I can tell you that reading the email, I can tell if this is coming from a person who is sharing their feelings or whether this is an automated email that somebody just clicked a button somewhere and sent me an email that comes from hundreds of people. It's the same, same form email that comes to me, right? I get it. Somebody clicked the button and this is how they feel. But those personal connections, an email that comes from a person that has... Um, you can you can see in the writing that it's directly from the person's own words. Um, in my estimation, is a much more valuable communication than receiving a form email. I like that. Well, the the two words of advice I would have for folks that are listening is kill them. Remember the old saying that your mom probably taught you: kill them with kindness. Because even if you don't agree with somebody. Um, 
try to just be a kind person because uh, if you're trying to get your point across, if you're trying to get what you want done, it's probably not going to happen if it starts out with you're an idiot. Why do you work for George Soros? You know, that those kinds of things right. are just not going to get you what you want. And and even though you may be passionate, if folks are listening here and they they wholeheartedly disagree with, you know, every Democrat that's in the House or every whatever that's in the Senate, um, you can still be a kind person. And I think that that goes a long way to getting potentially what you want or even just a response out of that elected official. So that's a big thing. And then the second thing I would say is if you get lost on the legislative site, which, you know, I'll be the first to say that I've tried to find things before and it's hard to find sometimes, there's a little helpful button on the right hand side. There's like a little chat button and I've used it five or six times. And it's not like an, this is not an automated chat. You have a, literally some a staffer on the other side that you can say, hey, how do I find this? Or what time is this meeting? Or, you know, I'm looking for this document. And they'll respond to you. Um, oftentimes, I've asked after five o'clock and somebody still responds. So I don't know what, <laughs> who the person is, but there's a real live person responding to your questions. And I mean, I, the la the longest I've ever waited was maybe five minutes, which is not that big a deal. So um, if folks get lost on the website, utilize that live person chat button. It's very, very helpful. Um, Representative Carpenter, Carpenter, is there any last minute things before we head off here? Uh, 30 minutes has went by in a flash. Yeah, it does. So I would just uh, like to I have created for myself. It's bencarpenterpost.com. And it also has a live chat feature. So if you want to get directly to my staff while you're watching a committee meeting or you're reading something that you don't understand and you, you want some uh, feedback, if it's during the business day, you can hop on that website and um, set yourself up on that chat window, ask the question, and you're going to be reaching one of the staff members here in my office. You can always call the office, too. It's uh, The phone number is 907-465-3779. And ask the question that way, and my staff will get that question to me, or, or they'll answer it if they can by themselves. So there's there are ways. I mean, we're Alaskans. We're 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 used to uh, challenges and, and overcoming adversity, and our capital's not on the road system. That's just a, a thing that we have to overcome, and we can overcome it with. I mean, it's easier to overcome now than it was a hundred years ago. <laughs> like. We've got all of this technology at our fingertips. We just need to be better at using it in some cases. So I look forward to the feedback. Honestly, I do. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you joining us, Representative Carpenter, and we wish you nothing but success here at Mustard, Alaska. It's going to be very exciting to see how your committee uh, chair assignments unfold. You've hired a rock star in Donna Arduin, and I think the conservative folks out there are, are very excited to see how that plays out as well. She it just brings such a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. She's worked with Republican and Democrat governors. And I think that uh, she's going to be able to come up with possible solutions that Alaska folks maybe have not otherwise thought about. So until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska signing off. Hope everybody has an awesome rest of their day. Thank you.